Welcome to Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach with Mark Gellard and Candy Reid. Well, Magda Lynette has enjoyed her best result in a 1,000-level tournament since 2017, and the mastermind behind Magda's success is live from Miami. It's Mark Gellard. Mark, the third edition of the uh, Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach, and what a result. You're uh, being very successful not only on the singles court, but also on the doubles court. Hi, Candy. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, we're, as you said, we're in Miami right now. It's been a good week so far. I had a couple of good uh, singles wins here and then followed it up with some, some decent doubles as well, playing with Bernardo Pera this week here in Miami. So, so far, it's good. It's going to be a, a, a tough day today playing against uh, Jessica Pagula in the next round. Yeah, you kindly agreed to do this. I know you're going to leave in about 40 minutes to go and play JP. And uh, like Bernardo, Magda and Jesse Pagula are very good friends. Does that cause problems playing against someone? I just know from my personal experience, I always found it a lot harder to play against people I really liked. Uh, it's funny because I was the same as you. I struggled with that, playing people... Uh, that I was friends with. I couldn't separate the friendship from the on court. But actually, I think with with these guys, it's it's actually just a mutual respect for each other. And they're both going to just go out and it'll be a nice match. If you're going to lose to somebody, this is the person you'd want to lose to from both of them. So I think um, it'll be a nice match. We practice with her a lot. I mean, I've known Jessica since she was about 12 or 13. She used to train at the International Tennis Academy I worked at in Delray when it was run by Alan Marr. And um, she's she's obviously a really great player. I mean, really, really tough. So you have some inside knowledge here. And obviously, uh, Jesse Begula knows that. How much do you give to Magda at this point? Because obviously they know each other very well. I don't believe they've played very much, though. You know, I don't, they've never played. Um, they've never mm. actually played a match against each other that I'm aware of. But we practice a lot with her because she she lives in Boca. I'm in Delray, so we practice with her a lot. And even actually played with her this week in Miami. We practice with her on the first or second day of the tournament. So they know each other's games very well. I think it'll just be who's better today. But obviously, Jessica will probably go in there as the favourite. But it's fine. Once the, the match isn't played on paper, luckily. So hopefully what, what, we play her 10 times, she might win nine, but we just want to win today. Something that's really struck me about uh, Magda is how tough she's been mentally. She's just beaten Victoria Azarenka, who is the last champion here, who's an active player. And beating Vika in Miami and on this Sunshine Double is very, very tricky. And that was a really close match. I know it wasn't absolutely out of the top draw from either player, but the fact that Magda got through that shows a real mental strength, something I think that's really improved over the last few years. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if, if anyone that's listening that might have been to this tournament, it's a very, it's a nice tournament, but it's, it's a little chaotic down here. You've got the football stadium and then the courts are all spread out almost in the parking lot area. And then they're building a Formula One track while at the same time through everything, which is coming up for the Grand Prix in a few months. And then you've got a cable car that runs through the parking lot, which <laughs> takes people from one part of the of the facility basically to the other. 
and then you've got live bands playing music and DJs. And it's, it, I mean, during the match, we had everything from helicopters overhead, planes to wind to DJs playing loud music. And then, and then the hardest part, obviously, was that you're playing as a ranker on the other side, who might be in the last 10 or 15 years for me, she's one of the most consistent players and also one of the best competitors. I think you know with Vika that yeah, she might have a bad day, but damn, she's still going to compete. She's still going to be tough. She's never going to roll over and just give you the match. So it was, a, you know, like she said to Magda afterwards, it definitely wasn't her best tennis and it definitely wasn't your best tennis. Conditions were tough. It was very hot. It got windy. But to get through that showed some real mental strength. And I think that's a nice thing that you can play. Maybe you're not best tennis and still find a way through it. I actually spent the day with Victoria Azarenka before she became uh, the superstar she is. We spent a day at her house in Florida uh, when she was working with Sam Sumick. And it was an interesting day. I got to hit with her a little bit. And uh, we went out to lunch and it was uh, a piece for CNN. And you could just see the drive and determination in her eyes and how much she wanted it. And that has since come to fruition, hasn't it? It really has. Yeah. I mean, I believe that she's one of the only girls that won the double, the Sunshine double. Is that right? That's right. One of four, I believe. Kleister's graph, Eager, obviously. Yep. She's um, been really good in these tournaments. And, and obviously here she's very um, motivated. She's got a lot of fans here because this is her home, really, in, in Miami, Boca area. So it's really a nice spot. So, yeah, it was a great win for Magda. Hopefully she can take some confidence from that. And I think also as a player, when you, you know, whether you're recreational or professional, finding a way to win when you're not playing your best is really, uh, if anything, that can be more give you more confidence in winning and playing great. Because I think the one thing you can bring every day is your mental strength, your intelligence, your, your, your tennis IQ. That's something that I feel like I could bring every day or, mo- or most days, I should say. But playing great physically every day is not possible. So um, I think she'll take a lot of positives out of that. Do you have a little routine or do you know if Magda has one on the big points when anything negative comes into your head? And I use the word stop when I play now, and I wish I'd known that when I was younger, but that actually stops any negative thoughts entering my head. Is there anything that Magda does in particular? Yeah, I mean, a lot of players have different things. It's a tricky one because I think it depends on how, when she's in the right mindset, she does have some things she does. She has some rituals and routines that she does to slow things down and really get herself ready for the next point because there was there, there was a stretch day uh, against Victoria in that match two days ago where we went from 7-5 up and 2-0 in the second set. We lost eight games in a row. So obviously whatever her routine was and what she was doing wasn't working. I think that's where things can spiral and get away from you a little a little fast when she's doing things well she will take time and and bring herself down she has a card that she carries in her bag with i think we've we we'd originally had 10 things written down on it but maybe it's down to five or six now but they're very short things they could just be one word that she'll just read and try and get her back to focusing because i think ultimately when you get frustrated when things start going bad your mind starts to go off on things that that are irrelevant or that you mm-hmm. can't control and you know, during that match, actually, one of the things that happened in the third set was Vika became real upset about the music that was being played very loudly right next to the court. And for her, it started to bother her once she was losing in that third set. 
before that, during the eight games when the music was playing, it didn't bother her. She probably didn't hear it. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't that she was faking or lying or trying to be. It was just the fact that when you're losing, some things start to bother you that didn't before, you know, whether it's someone in the crowd or whatever. I think there's only really, for me, been one player that could play every point the same way, and that was Nadal. He's just the only guy, whether it's the first point of the match, the last point where he's match point up or match point down, he still plays the same way. And I think if you watch Magda when she plays well, you hope that you don't know what the score is if you're watching. But I think if you go back, if she watches that match, you'll see with her body language, her decision-making, the time between points, the facial expressions, I, I can tell quite easily what the score is. So she's, she definitely has improved. I think that's been a big part of her game that's improved, but it's still a long way from perfect. Do you and she work with a sports psychologist? Yes, yeah, she's had she's had a woman for a long time, and she speaks to a, a, a guy now who's um, who's helped her. And I think I, I think they've been valuable. And this is not putting credit on me or Ian or anyone else, but I actually think the most important person is probably the coach for that because we know the player the best. We spend the most time with them. Um, I think they can pick up some techniques from 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 psychologists. But I think that ultimately it's going to be so many things before the match, the drive down this morning. What's the mood in the car driving down? What are we discussing the night before dinner, the pre-match warm-up? You know, this stuff, this is what's going to set the, the mindset for the match, in my opinion. Since you spend so much time together, is it important not to give her too much tennis talk and also keep things very simple, I suppose? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely a quality versus quantity. Uh, last night when we got back, there was obviously still tennis on, and we're all staying at my house. There's about five of us in the house at the moment, and we, you know, there was, there was a couple of us wanted to watch the tennis on TV, but we said we, we turned it off and, and watch other stuff just so that we we decompress a little bit. And I think we had some Family Guy on and True Detective, so it was important for her to have something away from tennis. And it was interesting because I definitely felt in the first round that she didn't play her best. But what Vika did yesterday was was she made Magda, Magda had no choice yesterday. She had to elevate her game, even though it still wasn't where she wanted to be. She had to, to elevate. I think that every match that's gone by, she's going to get better. I hope again today against Jessica. If you don't bring your best against Jessica, I mean, for, for us to win today, we're going to have to bring our best. There's, there's no two ways about it. If we come in with our seed, we don't stand much chance. I was going to say, actually, in Magda's first round, which was actually the second round of the tournament because Magda's now seeded, she was playing Evgenia Rodina, who I commentated on Magda's match with Rodina and Rodina's match with Bernarda Perra in the first round. And, of course, now Perra and Magda are playing together. So was there some information given? Because, obviously, Bernarda lost to Rodina, whose mother of two now come back from a three-year maternity break, which is quite incredible. But, uh, but Pera lost that match in straight sets. How much information would Pera then give to Magda um, about Rodina's game? Because then, obviously, Magda has come through the match against Rodina in straight sets. Bernarda and Magda are very good friends. I mean, she's one of the nicest girls out here. And they've played doubles a lot over the years. They made semifinals of Roland Garros in 20. 21 I believe it was so they played really well together you know Bernarda definitely gave Magda and I spoke to her for a few minutes about Rodina's game you know the thing is as well with players I find that a lot of times players play with feel and they don't necessarily 
have a full awareness of how they're winning points or why they're winning. And um, Bernard is such an instinctual player. She plays very, very aggressive tennis. When, uh, when you talk with her, the thing she might say, you know, if you attack this way or do like this, for example, we don't have the capability of doing that. We don't maybe have that power that she has. So it's definitely interesting to get her take. And I think that also the way that Rodina played against Bernardo would have been different a little bit against how she played against us. I think we would expose her weaknesses maybe more by moving the ball around and making sure that maybe Rodina never really stands in the same spot twice. I think that was one thing we did quite well was making Rodina move a lot. Whereas when Bernarda played her, I felt that Bernarda didn't mind to stay in one place because she felt she could out-hit Rodina. So the way that they would go about beating them would be different. When I watch matches of the opponent when I'm scouting, I try to find them playing somebody that I feel plays similar to Magda. So, for example, Bernarda's left-handed, we're right-handed. Bernarda's a big hitter, we're not. So I think... You can get a couple of pieces of information, but I would say it would be more on them. Maybe what was Rodina's mindset? How was she physically? Did she have any injuries? Was there any tendencies? But even on the serve, she might say, well, she liked her T-serve out, you know, in, in the juice court. Yeah, but Bernardo's left-handed. So, right. so maybe that's because she was going after her forehand. So it, it's, it's definitely pick up some stuff, but I prefer to do my own work scouting on that. As a big fan of horse racing, I've heard the the quote, never take a tip from a jockey. Sometimes, you know, you just, <laughs> the information given isn't quite reliable. So uh, it's probably good to do your own scouting. Uh, um, now, obviously, singles and doubles, you, I don't think you possibly could have expected to have done as well in both formats this week. Is that really tough on Magda and, and you? Because obviously, you're all around the courts a lot more. It's very, very hot and humid in Miami as well at this time of year. So is there some regret that you've played both? No, I think it was tough because the tournament scheduled us. I wasn't real happy with how they did the scheduling on the first day. They they played doubles over the first round was played over three days, and they they had you know three days to spread it out. But they played us singles and doubles on the on Saturday. That's right. You played double duty. We did double duty, which was a little frustrating, which I felt was unnecessary. But it is what it is. Do I regret it? No, because I think. I think also the reality is this. We're not 18 years old. We need to play doubles because, or when we can, we should play doubles because that's a lot of money as well. And you have to be realistic about this. This is still a business and making it through two rounds now puts $30,000 in her pocket. And that can then down the road, we can say, you know, in the summer when we would like to have a physio traveling with us for two or three extra weeks, uh, we now have some extra funds to do that. And that can be, great for her body it's helped for her mentally and she feels fresher taken care of and then maybe she performs better in the singles down the road if we had unlimited funds maybe it changes things a little bit but the reality is we don't and also she enjoys playing doubles it's 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 something that you know playing last week in indian wells with katie mcnally was really nice for her because that's someone that really understands doubles plays great doubles so i feel like magda raises her game and tries to say okay katie's playing great i've got to match it and the same with bernarda so and and, and it's just a time where they they can um be together and um and, and yeah enjoy tennis in a different way yeah, so on Saturday, you played two very long matches. Magda beat Vika in three sets. Then they had the match tiebreak in the doubles. And then turn around the next day. So Sunday, she just played one match, which was a doubles. How much do you practice uh, before that? I presume not very much. 
I think the Azarenka match was about two hours 40. About two hours 40, yeah. Yeah, something around that. Then we got off the court at six and we agreed with the tournament to go back on at 7.15. So they gave her an hour and 15. So she had time to change, shower, change. She did a quick ice bath, a quick stretch mm. and a little bite of food, uh, okay. some some you know simple carbs get get some energy and then they went on um one that doubles in the tie break like you said and then by the time we got home it was about midnight that night and then we were up again in the morning we played doubles yesterday not before one so we scheduled our practice yesterday it was i say practice it was a warm-up at 11 30 and we did 11 30 to 12 out on one of the match courts uh and that was with bernada and then um yeah played the match and and again it was it's only one doubles, but it turned into a long day because the two matches before us actually went quite long. And mm. then uh, ours was uh, not the shortest either. So again, we didn't get back till about eight last night and uh, got some food and then uh, everyone goes to sleep. And then we got up this morning and we're yeah heading back at it. We'll warm up today. We're going to hit on center court just so we feel, because we're playing on center court, just to feel what that court's like. Although I have to say we we did get lucky to practice on that once about six days ago. But all the courts play very different here in terms of the speed. So uh, we found the match courts are definitely quicker. The match we played against Azarenko was on Bukholz court, which is much quicker than court seven, where we'd played our other singles and doubles matches. So, um, yeah, we'll get half an hour on there this morning um, with me. And then, um, yeah, we're second second match on. Now, we're doing this uh, interview with you live in Miami, sitting outside your house. I'm actually near London and we can hear the birds in the background, Mark, which is absolutely beautiful because uh, we know what nice weather it is there. But it has been very hot and humid, hasn't it? And you've talked uh, a lot about uh, practicing and playing matches. How is Magda coping with the weather? Yeah, I think this is a big advantage for her in the fact that she lives here. You know, that she's been here living in this place with me for so long. Because I remember when I first moved to the States, you know, and probably you do as well, when you yeah. first got to Alabama, for me, it was it was a shock playing in that humidity and that heat. So that was really tough. But I think she has a big advantage. She's been here for a long time, you know, over the years. And, and we first met training in China. That was where me and Magda met uh, in Guangzhou. Um, and it is there is so hot as well. It's just like Miami. So she's had a lot of years of experience here. The unfortunate thing in the last round was we knew Vika did as well. So it wasn't going to give us an advantage because she's used to this. But um it's, it definitely takes more out of you. We're having to make sure she's doing a lot of drinking, a lot of salt, a lot of electrolytes. She takes immediately recovery shakes after she finishes and really taking a lot of, of good food and trying a lot. She's doing a lot of ice baths, a lot of, um, I don't know if you notice here, they have ice towels for the changeovers and some courts yep. have a fan that blows because you're just trying to keep your body temperature down to avoid cramps and overheating. I think they call it the towel snake, don't they? When it goes around the, the neck and it's full of ice, it looks wonderful. It is. It's it's really cooling because you put it around your neck. You want to just keep that whole area cool and keep the blood flowing to the brain cool as well because um, it, it's very easy here to get to overheat quickly. And the courts, you know, I think something people don't realize is that if it's 80 degrees outside, it's more like 95 on the court when you're standing on whatever asphalt basically what it is. The heat is just reflect absorbed and then reflected off of it. So it really is hot on the court. A lot of people call Indian Wells now the fifth major, but Miami is sort of a home from home, isn't it, for so many? You've talked about you living there and Magda staying with you and, and Vika being there and Jay 
P as well, Jesse Pagula, living close to it. Would you consider that Miami is uh, perhaps the most convenient tournament just because you can stay at home, you don't have to stay in a hotel and it is a travelling circus. We know that while the rest of us uh, are living at home, for you lot, it's a 40-week road trip, isn't it, staying in multiple hotels and different venues? Absolutely. No, this is so nice for me to be able to stay at home and, and Magda as well. Um, like you said, I mean, there's probably 20, 25 girls here in the tour that live in Boca, with, you know, from us to Jessica Pagula as a renker. Um, Leila Fernandez, Sofia Kennan, Isla Tomjanovic. I mean, there's so many players here on the men as on the men's side as well. So it's it is nice to know. I know a lot of the players do stay at home during this time, which is um, which is nice. Um, Jessica lives five minutes away from me. I'm hoping she might get stuck in traffic this morning and not make it <laughs> on time. So it's nice because you know this is really the only time the whole year that we can do this. And now that the tournament's moved to where it is at the Hard Rock Stadium, it makes it viable for us to stay here. When it was down in Key Biscayne, it was just a little bit too far to stay home, really. It was it was a little bit further. So this, this is nice. This is a really nice thing to be able to come home and wake up in your own bed and sleep on or lay on your own sofa at night. I think a lot of players enjoy that. So it's, and it's nice that it's a two week event. And then next week, after this event is Charleston, which is, you know, it's, it's a nice swing because Indian Wells is probably most, if you ask most players what's their favourite tournament of the year, Indian Wells will be high on a lot of people's list. Then a lot of players get to stay at home during Miami and then Charleston next week might be another player favourite. I mean, the way that Mr. Navarro, who owns the tournament now, has runs it there and what he's done for the tournament, the hotel's fantastic. I mean, it's a really nice three or four events in a row we have here. I remember actually Belinda Bencic saying she travels about two or three weeks at a time. So two or three week tournaments. Is that about the same for you? You've done Indian Wells. You've done a long shift there. You now have done a long shift in Miami. And hopefully for you, it'll be longer. And then off to Charleston. Well, then it'll be a break. I wish. I wish if I could have a break after Charleston or Magda could have a break. But the reality is, yeah, I, I think we try not to do, you don't want to do, I think, three three tournaments in a row is really a lot. But the, 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 also the reality is if you're losing first round in those events, mm. well, then you've only played three matches in three tournaments. And if they're both Indian Wells and Miami that you lose first round, that's four weeks because they're both two-week events. So if you go deep in them, then three is, is more than enough. We are scheduled to play Charleston next week. Then we kind of have a week off. Well, I say a week off. Charleston finishes the Sunday. The Friday, we are in Kazakhstan playing Fed Cup. Oh my gosh! So yeah, I, you you say we, it's your week off, but you know finals is Sunday. Love to be in the finals, but if either way, we've got to be in Kazakhstan for the Friday after to play Fed Cup, and then after that we will take a week. But I think with Belinda, I agree with her in the ideal world, we might not play, but during that summer swing, we're gone for nine weeks, ten weeks. You know, from the clay onto the grass, you're not going to come home to Florida during that time because it's just too much traveling and you lose the time change. It's, it's too much. So we're not going to play nine weeks in a row, but you're going to definitely be on the road for about three months. How do you set up base there? I remember uh, Craig Tizer and Ash Barty before she'd retired, they found somewhere quite secret. I believe it was in um, South France or part of Spain and they they sort of set up camp when they weren't playing tournaments. How do you do it? Yeah, I think it was tougher for them just because of the fact they're Australian, that it was so far. I mean, that's so far for them to get from Europe to Australia. But I know some players will come home during... Actually, Jessica, I think, tends to come back 
after the clay and takes a break, comes home for a week or 10 days. Probably has a private jet, though. <laughs> yeah, I think she has slightly better options than we do. Um, <laughs> EasyJet doesn't doesn't offer us any, uh, any good deals. Patrick Moritoglu has a nice place down in the south of France that we might go to. Even in Poland in the summer, weather's great. They have really great facilities and a great setup there. So we may go back to Poland. That That's a tricky one. You know, you, you again, you've got the two big Rome and Madrid events, which are sort of two-week events. And then you've got Strasbourg. Uh, we've got Fed Cup. Um, so that, that whole clay season right there, there's no chance you're going back to Florida. So you're looking for weeks between the here and there. A lot of players go to Patrick Moritoglu. There's a couple of places in Spain, whether it's uh, nice. Sanchez Casal, Juan Carlos Ferrero has an academy. And now and now even Rafa's place is very popular mm-hmm. down in uh, Mallorca area. So I think, yeah, just finding somewhere out there where you can practice, they've got hitting partners and everything like that is is an option as well. I'll be interested to to talk to you about the cost of that kind of stuff. We'll talk about that perhaps in, in future podcasts because I know you have to, to go soon. Something I wanted to ask you about was... Uh, um, Danielle Collins has been playing with a new racket this week. And I heard last week in Indian Wells, actually her coach brought her a new racket. He'd went to the Technofiber tent and went and got her a racket, which she then started enjoying. So now she's playing here in Miami with a new racket. How common is that? I've never heard of it before. <laughs> <laughs> That's how common it is. But sometimes it can be what the player needs. It's a physical change that she's made there to a different racket, obviously, but also that can have a huge mental effect. If she just feels like, well, this feels better to me, or it's just something to distract her mind right now if she was struggling, then then that's then that's what it takes. I mean, Magda made the switch uh, to Yonex. She'd been with Babylat for about six, seven years, and we switched last year. And it was kind of by accident that she picked up one of my Yonex rackets and wanted to hit for five minutes with it and really liked the feel and said, I want to change. And I said, well, let's wait till the off season. And she said, no, I'm not waiting. I'm doing it now. And Babalat were very, very kind and helpful and allowed her to do that. And Yonex have been great. So it was definitely something that gave her confidence, um, physical, mental, whatever, but it worked. And I think that's, you know, it's so interesting with equipment because there's such a range. I mean, I remember last year at Eastbourne, I was up in the stringing room and Serena had dropped her rackets off in there. And at the exact same time, Manorino, Adrian Manorino had walked yes. in and left his brackets. And <laughs> Serena uses, the, I, I'm not sure if I'm right, but it was about a hundred square inch racket. It was a big head that she had. Right. And she was using a grip size five. It was massive. It's the grip. largest you can get. Yeah, absolutely huge grip. And I said to the string, I said, what does she string at? And he said, well, usually around 65 pounds. Just and I said, unbelievably okay. tight, <laughs> very tight, and and still to create the power that she does. And Manorino's rackets were right next. So I said, well, what's he stringing at? He said, well, he's gone. He's this week. He's stringing at nine kilos, which is about it's like a trampoline, right? It's about sixteen pounds, seventeen pounds. Yeah, a little bit like more that. than that. Yes, yeah. he's the lowest I think on the WTA tour or ATP tour. Yeah, so you got one that's using sixty-five pounds, and the other's using, let's say, seventeen pounds. I mean, it was incredible the difference. It works for both of them. So it's just that the equipment is, you know. And you remember Federer switched from his ninety-five square inch. He went to yep. a ninety-eight or a hundred, I think it was. It was and ninety-eight, I, I think, the biggest he was using. And I know Rafa uses quite a small grip. He uses a two, if I'm not mistaken. That's what I've heard as well. And he's quite a big guy, isn't he? Six two, six three. So he's got a pretty large hands. Yeah, exactly. He likes the so smaller I, grip. 
Mm. Yeah, just has better feel with it. So I think, um, yeah, like Magda, you know, and a lot of players, I mean, make those changes. I don't know if it's quite as drastic as Danielle did, where it's during a tournament, completely different racket. But I think um, players are open more than ever and the technology is so good that they can be open to making changes. And I think it's important as coaches that we know about all those options that are available and anything that can help the player improve. Well, the new racket certainly seems to be helping Magda, doesn't it? She's into the fourth round here in Miami and of course uh, we'll speak to you Mark uh, this time next week so we'll know how she did in the end uh, all the best to you and I uh, hope your travels to Charleston as well go very smoothly and perhaps uh, we'll talk when she's a, a singles and doubles winner at a 1000 event that would be nice wouldn't it that would be nice <laughs> um, I'll be on a holiday for about a month after that if that happens <laughs> I like it all right well Mark thank you very much this has been the third edition of Diary of a Professional Tennis Coach all the best and uh, we'll speak to you in about seven days time thanks so much candy thanks everyone for listening <laughs>